for being here. Um, I really do feel like time is the true unrenewable resource. And so it makes it really if someone's not on mute. <laughs> um, it makes it like a really precious resource to, to give our time to someone. And so I really appreciate that you're giving your time to, to this conversation, to your body, um, to me and what I do. But most importantly, this is a conversation about you and about your body and about how as we make our relationships with our own bodies more and more sort of wide and deep, that really changes how we can then relate to other people and to the world around us. And that's what changes culture. So a large part of my work, I would say like the bulk of it, really like the, the through line, is I'm interested in how we can grow a new culture by deepening our relationship with our own bodies and with the world. Because fundamentally, culture is just, culture is the collection of how people relate to each other and about how people relate to place. Like if you look at culture as just like a broad definition, that's what culture is. It's how we relate to one another. It's how we relate to, to the place and the world around us. And so when we have a culture that has forgotten the body, it, ought, it, it goes hand in hand with having forgotten the, the world around us. And the world around us, you can see I live in a place that is quite um, sort of intimate with the world. I had to even sort of move a fern that was starting to give me a little hug and that might happen again. You'll probably hear parrots and other birds. So I live in a place that's very, it's very, um, it would be difficult to forget that, that I'm part of a natural world here. And yet it is still very possible to be surrounded by natural beauty and see it sort of as separate from us rather than deeply and intrinsically and intimately woven into us. And so when we start to develop a deeper relationship with the body, that's when we start to realize how much we are truly woven into the world. And that's when we start to create a culture of people that are truly woven into the world. And that's how we create change from I consider it a way of creating change from the inside out. So we can we think about all these problems and issues and the fundamental changes that are necessary. With our, we think about that with our mind, but then we feel into it with our bodies. And that's a really crucial difference. So today we're gonna to be exploring how the body can give us these answers that we spend a lot of time thinking and even talking about. We spend a lot of time in our organizations and our organizing groups and you know, in at night when we're just, you know, tossing and turning, these are quest these are the questions that sort of like hook in and get in and don't leave. We're gonna be looking at how the body can start to help find those answers. It's not like only the body does it, but if you don't have the body, it just doesn't quite work in my experience. And um, and when you have the body, that's I'm gonna talk about why and how being in a relationship with the body fundamentally like on an anatomical, physiological level helps uh, open up space for a more creative, for, for being more creative in how we react and how we respond fundamentally. You know, I remember if you were here last month, we were talking about how we can widen our experience of time so that we can respond rather than react. And if you weren't here last month and you wanna check it out, you automatically have access to it. I'll make sure that you, I'll send it out in the email so that you can check it out. It's called How to Widen Time all the past sessions. We've been holding these sessions every month for two years now. So there's a lot of sessions to go back. There's a, basically a library on everything from 
parenting and financial literacy and uh, like those aren't my those aren't my wheelhouses but I invite people in sometimes to talk about their specialties and then I share things that have to do with the body so you've got that whole library resource available to you now but as we get started and it's lovely to see some folks that came in thank you so much for being here this is lovely um, as we get started I'm going to share a bit about sort of how we hold the space what we're going to do and then a little bit about who I am just because some of you are new to me so the embodiment space, as you saw in the email you, or, or on the post, if you, or you signed up, um, I said that this is a space that's really committed to decentering whiteness and the cis heteropatriarchy. And that's in the content that I share, but it's also in some of the fundamental ways that I hold the space and that we sort of organize our time here. So one thing for you to know, if you are a person from the global majority, meaning a person of color, if you're a person of the global majority, you can interrupt me at any time with any questions or any comments or redirections. Use the chat, raise your hand, or just unmute yourself and jump in. But if you are a white person, you're gonna wait until it's time for questions and answers. And then when we have questions and answers, and I make sure to have questions and answers, like, you know, don't worry, <laughs> you're gonna, well, I'll have time. When it's questions and, and when it's time for questions and answers, we're gonna ask that you take a breath, one long inhale and exhale for every privileged identity that you hold. So that means if you are able-bodied, that means that equals a breath. If you're cisgendered, that's a breath. If you're white, that's a long breath. If you are a man, that's an also a breath. So I would take one less breath as a white cisgendered able-bodied woman than a man would than a white cis-bodied able to, uh, white cis-gendered cis able-bodied man would. And that's how we start to create, literally we create more time and space for voices that have been, when we say that someone's marginalized, I have issue with the terminology there because it sort of skips the point that there's other people who are marginalizing them, right? So when we've been taught that we are, that we're the default voice, then we have to remember that that's, it's not an accident that other people don't have as much time and space to share. So that's why I'm saying, when it's time to share, take breaths for your privileged identities. And then there will also be a time when I turn off the recording and so we can share off record. And I find that a lot of the juicy stuff happens there. So um, you know, don't worry about, if you have a question that you wanna keep more private, we'll do that. And if you don't want to be recorded, but you don't mind your question being recorded, just write it in the chat and that way I'll just read it and you won't be recorded, okay? All right, so a little bit about me and then we're gonna get, dive into it. It'll kind of be a segue. So I'm a somatic coach and a somatic educator. That means that while I do a lot of movement, part of what I do is teaching movement and how different movements can create more ease and more um, range and more freedom in the body. No, doesn't mean about being bendy or athletic. It means how can we work with the body rather than trying to conform and contain it. I do that. And I also help people understand how being present in their body really helps to create ways forward that wouldn't necessarily be possible without, without the body, which is what I was talking about when we first got started. Um, I live in, uh, I'm living right now in a very jungly area, which is why you might hear parrots and roosters and other birds. Um, and it does really influence how my work 
um, how my work sort of comes out naturally because our environments do, do change us. So one thing that I have noticed is that I have to make sure that I'm not making assumptions about my life that someone in a city wouldn't necessarily be experiencing. But it's also important that one thing that happens for people who live in cities and especially who live in developed cities is that it starts to become like that's the only that's the real world and it's not it's a version of the real world i'm not going to say that it's not a real world but this is real and we have so much more in common with a fern that like is taking its leaf and trying to like you know catch my attention that fern has much more in common with us than any steel building or any concrete street in fact um, someone who comes to these sessions frequently shared with me yesterday that the molecular structure of hemoglobin or red blood cells and chlorophyll are almost identical. And I was just like, of course, it makes so much sense. And it was my favorite fact from yesterday. <laughs> was the favorite thing I learned. Yeah, it was so cool. I shared it on my Instagram. So if you follow me there, you saw it, but it's like, what? Of course. So we have so much more in common with these and including like a neuron looks quite a lot like a branching tree, right? Or like a watershed. So a brain cell looks like a watershed or like a, or a branching tree or, uh, or the mycelium underneath the earth more than it looks like a telephone wire, right? But our language and our sort of, and the imagery of this culture that has separated itself from the body so entirely is much more likely to use images like, like a wire or like a, or straight um, sort of rectangular cubic imagery and languaging to make us feel like that's where we belong, right? Even the even the terminology stand up straight, which you know, setting aside that when we talk about how like someone needs to stand up straight when we're not talking about standing is an ableist concept, but also you're never straight. There's not a single straight line in your body, you are entirely curvy. So this idea that we would try and force ourselves into straight lines, that comes from that colonialist, sort of separatist, um, sort of human, human-centric worldview that I am so interested in composting, right? So when I talk, when I'm talking about working with the body and working with somatics, I'm talking about working not just with the parts of the body, like I love anatomy books. I think anatomy books are so cool. And like I said, my favorite fact from yesterday was that hemoglobin and chlorophyll look almost alike. But I'm really interested in the whole. And the word somatic means wholeness. It's talking about the body in its totality. And when we're talking about the body in its totality, we're really talking about the body and its relationship with the earth and its relationship with the world around us because we change, right? We change based on our environment and we're formed based on our relationship to gravity. The reason that you don't have a single straight line in your body is because gravity pulls with a spiralic force. And that's because the sun is pulling us through space. And that means that our orbit of the earth is actually spiralic. It's, we're not just on April 23rd, 2021, we're not in the same place that we were in, this, in the universe a year ago, but we're in the same relationship to the sun. But that could be another conversation, which send me a DM sometime because I'm more than happy to talk about stuff like that. Those, that's the kind of small talk that I really get into. But to go back to what I was saying, 
the, our bodies are filled with spirals because gravity pulls in a spiral, because we're fluid, because gravity pulls on fluid in a spiral. And so to try and force ourselves into straight lines limits that natural relationship if it doesn't actually just try and um, lay it to waste, right? And so that comes through when we start thinking about things like how to answer these questions that might be, that might be, you know, on us. And I want to say troubling us because sometimes they are troublesome, but sometimes they're, they're beautiful questions. Like, how do I develop this, this creative obsession that I have? How do I let it grow and develop and blossom? And if we're so obsessed with straight lines and with a straight linearity of our life, then we're going to miss out on all the beautiful ways that really we're spiralic and curvy and incredibly weird, right? Like just being like, we got these like moving little fingers. That's weird. Like evolutionarily, it's amazing that this is what we got, but we've got like 10 tentacles on the ends of these really long limbs. It's like to not be in a little bit of awestruck confusion at how life has come about, I feel, really limits the conversation and how we're able to sort of work with such a weird world and so many weird and not weird and altered to, to diminish some of this, some of the absolute horror, but weird situations that we find ourselves in. Like if you can imagine going to sleep in like February, 2020 and waking up in April, 2021 and be like, what? what has happened and so this is why when we're going to get into you know awestruck confusion thanks for thanks for picking that one out but um it's true though it's an awestruck confusion but being aware of all that all those ways that's that one's for you show being in this and all these ways of of acknowledging that we are in some very strange situations and some very strange times. This is a way that we don't gaslight ourselves when we do find ourselves really struggling with certain questions. So the invitation for you today was that this is gonna be a way that we can find somatic skills to find answers to the questions that our minds are really looking for. And that's not like, you know, it's not like our mind is a, is a Google that you can Google, like what's the capital of Greece or what's the atomic weight of, you know, of boron. And that's what you're going to get. That's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about like all these different things that we, the, all these different choices that we fill a day with. Everything from where to put our creative energies, if that's something that we, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that you're a creative person because I don't tend to attract people who aren't. So where we put our creative energies, what we eat, where we go, how we, who we talk to and how we talk to them, what we share with other people, all of these different questions that can, that ask us to make a choice. There is so much telling us that there is a right and a linear way to do this and that there is someone else out there who can tell us how to do it that there's an expert out there that can tell us how and it's not to say that we don't need experts i want to talk with people who know who have been positively obsessed with something that i need information on right like if i 
if I have a tr have trouble with my heart, I'm going to talk to a cardiologist because they have been obsessed with the heart. But I don't want to talk to the cardiologist if that means that I'm going to ignore the rest of me. And I don't want to talk to the cardiologist if that means that I'm going to deny or ignore my own experience. And so when I say that these are somatic skills to help us find the answers that our mind is looking for, I'm not saying that now you're just going to be able to do it all on your own and that you don't need anyone to help you, coach you, teach you, or be in community with you. That's not it at all. I'm saying that if we can be in a place of embodied wholeness in ourselves, then we can we are, we are more woven into with one another to be able to pull the information and offer what we have to offer in return. And this is how, like I said, this is how we create a culture that is woven in with each other and woven into the world as well. Okay, so I want to just give a moment, let you write or ask questions. Remember, we take breaths for our privileged identities as we do this. So anyone have any questions? No? Okay, good. Um, I love that I'm clear. <laughs> or someone coming on to ask a question? All right, so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna go into a practice together so that we can start to feel what it's like. And so you don't have to be on your video if you wanna turn your video off so that you can really choose the angle that best suits you, by all means go for it. I'd love to see your faces, but I don't need to. <clears throat> and when we begin, as we begin, the reason I was saying we don't, I don't need to see your faces is because sometimes when we are looking at ourselves on Zoom, we feel like we've got to sort of maintain a certain, <laughs> a certain look, a certain angle. And when we turn the camera off, it might be a way that that part goes off. That we're not quite so focused on how others see us. And I would also encourage you to Really do whatever fidgeting is necessary to make sure that you're comfortable. So change your clothes if they're, if they're like confining you or pulling at you. Adjust your position. Do what is necessary so that your body can feel comfortable. And this is a way that we're telling the body that we're, that we're here, that we're present with the body. When we take these small choices that, that prioritize our physical comfort, it's a way of repairing the years of harm caused by being told by our society that physical comfort is a luxury. Now, I invite you to either close your eyes or settle them down. It might not feel right to close your eyes and that's fine. 
but either closing them or letting the eyes rest on your legs or on the floor. That's gonna start to bring your attention towards yourself, away from all that is out there and more and more towards you. And as you bring your attention towards you, now notice what it is that you are sitting on or lying on. Chair, your bed, the couch. Notice it. And if it feels good to touch it and check it with that tactile sense with those 10 tentacles that you've got on the ends of, ends of your long limbs. Go ahead and check it out. And you can feel if it's soft or if it's hard, if it's cool or if it's warm to the touch. And this is a, a magical thing about being in a body that doesn't fly, <laughs> is it? At all times, we've got something touching us. You know, the exception being when we're swimming and then the water is what's touching us. But at all times, we've got something underneath us in some sort of way. And right now, as we're sitting or lying, we're giving our attention to what's holding us in this relaxed position. And now you can take your incredible thinking, feeling, sensing mind, take that thinking, feeling, sensing mind down through the structures of what supports you. So you notice, okay, if you're sitting, I'm sitting on a chair that is made of plastic, wood, collection of materials. <laughs> And then underneath the chair is a floor, or underneath your bed is a floor. And then underneath the floor are the support structures of the building that you're in. And you might be many, many stories up, or you might be fairly close to the ground. But that, those support structures, they are taking you down, 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 down to the ground. Because to be even on the 50th floor of a building, if you're that high up, it's because the support structures of that building are able to take the force of the earth all the way up to the 50th floor to hold you in your chair. And it's likely that you're a good bit lower down than 50 floors up. So your mind doesn't have to go so far. But take your mind down through those support structures even just the idea of them, you don't need to necessarily know the architecture, down to the earth itself. So that we recognize no matter where we are, in our homes, or outside, or way up high, no matter where we are, we are on the body of the earth. And the earth's body 
is so big, incredibly huge. And that's why we're pulled towards it. That's why gravity works. And the gift of being on a planet that is so incredibly huge is that it's unconditional support that's offered. So you don't have to worry that the earth is gonna decide that you're not worthy of being supported. And you don't have to worry that the rules are gonna shift at all. You're being supported by the earth. And that means that you can let your body go. So now, as we're sitting here, as we're giving our weight to the ground, notice when you're inhaling and when you're exhaling. So you notice when the breath comes in. And then you notice when it goes out. And every time that you're breathing out, your body naturally is getting a little bit more dense. It naturally condenses ever so slightly. And then when you breathe in, it naturally expands. And that's primarily due to the fact that you've got these big lungs, and they're very big. They go from your collarbones all the way down to the base of the ribs, they're huge. So when you inhale, they fill and they float. And just like when you swim with little floaties on your arms, you become more buoyant. And when you exhale and the air leaves, you condense and become a little bit more dense. And this is visible in the water, but it happens anywhere. So each time that you exhale and you become a little bit more dense, this is an invitation to give your weight even more to the support of the earth underneath you. To allow yourself to be held. So let the exhale be deep. Let it go to empty. Let your body be deeply held by what supports you. Now, it would be helpful to notice what it is, what it is that you're feeling. And this can be physical. So you might first notice if you're feeling hot or cold, hungry or tired. Or if you can feel a soft breeze on your skin. You can feel the touch of the clothes on your body. We're noticing what we feel. And in addition to noticing what we feel and giving it a name, it's helpful to give this 
descriptive details. So if I'm feeling hot, I might notice how I would describe that to someone who has never, who imagine talking to an alien who had never experienced heat before. And so I might describe the sensation of prickling skin or the pulsing of my hot, warm legs or whatever it is that I'm noticing uh, that tells me I'm hot. If I'm hungry, it might be that I'm noticing the strange sort of tight feeling in my belly that comes when I'm truly hungry. It's gonna be different for me than it is for you. So take a few moments to notice the descriptions the descriptive qualities of what it is that you're physically feeling right now. Now we can expand that into the more difficult, but also very rich world of our emotions. And I say more difficult because it's very rare that we're experiencing one emotion at a time. And I also say difficult because there are so many reasons that we might get stuck in a traumatic emotion. And so if you are experiencing emotions that don't feel safe to experience, a way to sort of reorient yourself out of those is to once again return to what supports you, to the chair or to the bed. And then to once again return to the physical sensations that you have in this moment of heat or cold or even hunger. But emotions are rich. They're not the deepest layer of ourselves, but they are deeper than the physical superficial sensations. So you are, we're going a level, a level deeper. So what emotions are you experiencing? And importantly, how would you describe them to someone so that those emotions can sort of come alive as a descriptive process? So my feeling of anxiety or my feeling of joy is going to be different than yours. But if I describe them to you, you'll know what I mean. So take some time here to explore what it is that you're feeling, where it lives in you, and what it feels like. Where does anxiety live and what does it feel like if that's what you're feeling? Or where does grief live and what does it feel if that's what you're feeling?
So there are a few ways that we can now ask the body for its advice, for its wisdom. One way is to ask the question that you're struggling with, if you know, if you have one in particular. If we were one-on-one -on -one right now, I'd be asking you some questions to find out what is that thing that is troubling you but maybe you came here knowing that already. And then you see what you feel when you ask yourself that question. But another way, a way that can be more gentle is to ask the body, what would be most helpful? What would help? Understanding that sometimes what would be helpful is not available through systemic inequalities or other reasons. But it can still help to acknowledge and to ask the question, what would be helpful? So I invite you to ask yourself that question and notice what, what shows up. If the emotional or physical landscape changes, or if an answer blooms forward, clears the bell, that's always a gift. What would be helpful? Now, as you've asked that question, now take some moments to return to the ground underneath you, to return to the softness of your, of your body on the earth. Because a risk of asking what would be helpful is that we jump into that part of ourselves that feels like there's something we have to do. And I want you to invite you to come back to the chair, to the earth, to the exhale of your breath, so that you don't immediately jump into that feeling that there's something you have to do. See if you can let your shoulders relax a little bit more. Maybe you can let the tongue soften in the cave of your mouth. And once you feel like you have got that soft animal body resting on your chair, resting in your bed, Another question to drop, almost like a pebble, dropping a pebble into a pool, 
a question to drop into the pool of this incredible thinking, feeling body is the question, what is possible? And as you drop that pebble, that question, what is possible into the pool of your body, notice what comes forward. Physical sensations, emotions, ideas, memories. We're letting the body speak. Again, a reminder to let yourself be soft, to let that soft body be held by the earth. Let your tongue be soft in the cave of your mouth. To even let your brain be soft in the cave of your skull. And as we start to come back towards the group, sort of out of our inner experience and into the group experience, bring your hands together and rub them, not necessarily to generate heat, but to feel. So you can feel the push of one hand into the other. You can feel the friction of the palm of your skin moving along the other palm. And it might feel good to squeeze. To squeeze then not just the hand, but going up along the body. Up the arm, or maybe down along the leg. Doing this is a helpful skill to have when we open ourselves up, because it's a way to remember that this is me. And so if I'm going to be listening to other people sharing their experience, I can remember that this is me and my experience. So you might find it helpful in this group and in other groups to do just this, to touch and squeeze and feel the skin of your body. And then take your eyes to something that is pleasant to look at. If they've been closed now, you can gently open them, but take your eyes to something that's pleasant to look at. 
even if it's just the way that the light is hitting a wall. And as you look at whatever it is you're looking at, let the eyes, the eyeballs themselves, let them settle towards the back of the eye sockets. They're a muscle. And so they can relax backwards. And in doing so, you now receive what you're looking at rather than sort of reaching out and trying to get it. So you receive what you're looking at. Let the colors and the textures, let them settle into you. And you can notice if that changes any of the sensations in your body. We've all had that experience of being in front of a visual piece of art or a movie or something like that. We've all had that experience of having something that we are seeing visually change how we feel viscerally. And maybe you can notice that looking around at something that gives you pleasure to look at in the surroundings that you're in, which may well be your home. As we share now, we have some time for sharing with each other. And as we share, you don't have to look at the screen. We spend a lot of time looking at screens these days. So it's fine if you want to keep looking at something that gives you pleasure, or the window, or the plant, or even just the clothes on your body. Sometimes we listen better when we're not looking at the other person. And I invite you to share. Your questions are always welcome. So happy to answer questions if I can. And also sharing your experience if there was something that came from that that was of use or of help to you. It's helpful for us all to hear it. So remember, we take breaths for our privileged identities. And in a few moments, I will also um, stop the recording. So if you wanna share something that's not recorded, I'll be doing that in about in a few moments depending on how many questions we get. So with the breathing, the space is open. Okay, I'm going to stop recording so we can share off the record. Bye-bye. Yeah, that was, that was really beautiful. I, I've had a really embodied experience the last couple of days because I, I had a pretty significant reaction to my second COVID vaccine, kind of the 24-hour delay. And so I just, and it was, it was not only like just a, a very embodied experience of but it, it was, there was a lot caught up about how um, perhaps I, I need to wait until I'm sick to 
you know, I canceled like ha like half my appointments yesterday and a bunch of stuff today. And just, just being in that energy of like, wow, like why do I keep myself so busy? And why, why does it take this, you were know, being totally knocked down by this thing um, to, to sort of move beyond that. So that's a lot of what I'm holding now. So this, this was sort of perfectly woven in with that for me and just being in that, being in that energy and um, your question, I've done a lot of practice, like listening to like my intuitive voice. And so when you said, you know, what are the possibilities? I just, I just heard everything. <clears throat> I just heard everything is possible. And I love the whole framing here. I think a lot of, maybe the root of a lot of what our challenges are as a species is we, we don't make enough space for wonder. Mm. And, and everything you're saying, and I, I think somebody, yeah, the awestruck confusion, just like, oh my God, aren't fingers amazing? <laughs> like, like, how much more powerful and, and maybe open and spacious and loving we could be if we made more room for wonder. Um, and by the way, I love how loud your rooster is today. It's <laughs> I'm not at my house, it's just <laughs> rooster, but yeah, he was really going for it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I love that, yeah, making space for wonder. Anyone else? Well, I'll share that this is how, this was a uh, sort of a introductory and also very foundational way of, um, of exploring what it means to be in conversation with the body. As I made mention of, if we were in a one-on-one -on -one or a more sort of intimate group, like the group that I meet with weekly, um, we have a group that meets weekly called Anchor Continuum, in which because it's a community space, you know, we know each other, there's a bit more, um, there's a bit more openness there that just comes when you know people, when you know who you're sharing with. And then I also do this work one-on-one -on -one where if you have something that is, you know, sometimes people come because they're struggling with grief or they're just sort of locked into a spiral of confusion. And so then we start to really let the body actually have conversations. Like you'd be amazed at what the liver might have to say, right? And I know it can sound weird, but for those who've done it, once you've done it, you know, it's not weird, but it's true. There's this this way that the body might want to speak. And it's a really beautiful practice and a beautiful experience to be in, but that doesn't really happen in a, in a group setting quite the same way for obvious reasons. So, but what I wanted to offer here was this sort of more foundational piece because it is something that we can put to work, you know, even in groups that might not be focused on this necessarily. So I know just looking around the room of people who are here now, I know that a lot of that some of you at least are in are in groups, either as facilitators or as people who are in community in groups. And so, what does it mean to bring the body into the group, even if what you're talking about is like you're talking with your chief operational operations officer about your um, plan for your business for the next six months, or you're talking with your you know, parent organization for your kid's school, or whatever it is you might be talking about. How does it change if we bring the body forward? 
and then when we're talking about um, activists, uh, like activist work and organizational work, we're trying to actively bring change to our communities. Well, then what is what happens when we bring the body forward? Because like Andy said, it's a symptom of capitalism that we don't feel like we can rest unless there's a reason, right? Where I feel like I have to justify myself to, to everyone around me for whatever reason, either because I'm either because I can't show up or because I'm not going to share this because it feels personal or whatever it is that when we feel like we have to justify ourselves for listening to something inside of us, which is really the body saying, this doesn't feel right. And so when we make a practice of bringing the body forward, now we're setting the stage for a culture that honors and lives in the body. And a culture that honors and lives in the body, sort of, it goes hand in hand with a culture that honors and lives in and lives with the earth, right? Not, necessar not necessarily in all the wellness cultures. I don't know if anyone here is coming to me from wellness channels, but a lot of times people use the sort of body awareness as an excuse to not give our attention to suffering. But I'm saying that this is a way that we can bring the body forward so that we can be fully present and deeply listen to each other as we navigate these challenges. So my inbox is always open to any of you. I make, my, I make sure that I keep myself really available in that way. Um, and then there's also, there's private sessions and Anchor Community. Anchor Community and the private sessions, they were both dropped down in price quite significantly um, for COVID. And I'm going to raise the price now back to their regular rates starting in May. So if you've been feeling like, oh, I'm really curious about Anchor Continuum, or I'd really love to have an environment session, this might be a good time to reach out to me and talk to me about it, because the prices will be going back to their um, pre-COVID price, to their regular rates now soon. I do, however, I would just say that I always make sure that, my, that money's never the reason someone can't work for me, or work with me, sorry. Money's never the reason someone can't work with me. But just so you know, it might, this might be a good timing if you've been curious for a while. So. Any other questions before we say goodbye to each other for now? Questions or comments? All right. Well, thank you. I hope that this has been helpful and I really appreciate you giving your time to this. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.